The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks for salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph podcast. I am Mike Stevens of Yahoo Sports, and sitting across from me is the future the future first female GM in the NHL, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how you doing? Doing good. I'm excited. This is, this is a great episode we got here. We're going to rip through the intro in a little bit, but we have, before we get into our great interview and stuff with Dom, Lecision of The Athletic, we have some announcements. We've been teasing them for a while. And finally, today's the day we can say what they are. Indeed. So our first announcement. It's a big one. It is a big one. It's been something that's been in the works for almost two months now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been something that um, I've been looking forward to for a while. And definitely uh, some hoops that we had to jump through mm-hmm. and, and things we had to get sorted out. But um, when, I, uh, when I started this podcast with Ian, um, I never actually imagined that, that it would get to this point. Um, but happy to say that the Staff and Graph podcast has officially become part of the Blue Wire podcast family. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you can check us out on their website. Nothing's going to change uh, for you guys. You'll still listen in all the same places. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be some new ads that, that you'll hear. Um, but just know that uh, the podcast is officially with Blue Wire. And it's going to open up a whole bunch of uh, uh, doors for us. And um, we'll be able to do a whole bunch of things from a production standpoint. Um, it'll make the show a lot more fun. A lot better. It'll, yeah. it'll, it, this is definitely like, like you said, when I, when I hopped on this podcast, I had no clue that it would get to this point, especially this quickly. So we are eternally grateful to all of you who have listened to us so much and interacted and, and shown that you care to the point that we could get to this point. Like we're blue wire is, is an incredible up and coming kind of company and, and host for a lot of podcasts. And it opens, like you said, a lot of doors for us business wise and guest wise. We're now in a, you know, in a group and in, in a in, in sort under an umbrella with a lot of really interesting and cutting edge people. And uh, just just to kind of give you like an idea mm. is we're going to be doing some collaboration with Dmitry Pilipovich and the uh, the PDO cast. Oh, yeah. So look out for that. That's going to be uh, a ton of fun. Um, if you don't listen to Dmitry Filipovich's podcast, I highly recommend it. Um, he always has a ton of great guests on, but uh, we'll be doing some collaboration with him and. And that's just kind of one of the things we get to do. There's a whole bunch more that uh, is coming down the pipe. And, and kind of like Mike said, um, I'm just super grateful that yeah. enough of you care to make this relevant enough that we could do this. And and it's gotten to the point where now, um, at least for me, um, there was the initial fear that I would be lost to some NHL team and, mm-hmm. and the podcast would have to stop. Um but I'm kind of at the point with this podcast where um, it's going to take a, a serious offer for, for this podcast to, uh, to go into Mike's hands as opposed to mine and Mike's. Yeah. I mean, this is the most, this is my favorite time of the week. I get to hang out with my best friend. I get to record a hockey podcast, get to talk about it. And I also get to hear a lot of fun feedback from, from all of you. And, you know, where the fact that we were able to, 
to sign with a network now and have someone, you know, support us and, and everything, you know, both from a production standpoint and financially as well. It's just, it's incredible. I never, never thought this would happen. You know, as someone who grew up listening to hockey podcasts and had them, you know, ha- had hockey podcasts help me get through a lot of tough times, you know, like it's the this fact podcast gets me through tough times. Oh, this is our therapy, man. This, <laughs> this is our group. This is our therapy. This is our group therapy uh, uh, session here. So yeah, we just want to, again, we wanted to make sure that this, that during this announcement, the focal point of it was that this is because of you guys. That this is that you 100%. help make this happen, and just how grateful we are, and how excited we are to to grow this even more, and to to take because this is this is essentially, you know, the next step. This is us taking the next step, and we really hope that you guys come along with us and experience, you know, all the all the good things we have in store here. And don't worry, we're still Mike is still gonna yell about Tony D'Angelo. Oh yeah, still gonna talk about driving. There's nothing will change nothing from a content is, perspective. Absolutely nothing is gonna change. But the other thing, and if you follow us on Twitter, you know this. You've seen it. Um, we've launched merch. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to explain this a little bit because it is a little bit confusing because websites objectively suck. And until Rachel gets her shit together and gets us an actual domain that we can sell our own stuff, um, we're going to have to go with this. So we're on Redbubble. Yes. And if you click through, you'll see uh, seven things will come up. And it might show up as a pin or a notebook or a hoodie. If you want that, what it's just showing you is the logo on any product. Mm -hmm. If you want that logo, you just click through and you can sort through on the left hand side of the page. There's um, you can sort by clothing, accessories, notebooks, whatever it is. We have everything. Hoodies, mugs, shirts. Yeah. And what I wanted to point out was if you click so small. If you want a tiled phone case, so Analytics or Salad, for example, if you want multiple logos of Analytics or Salad on something, then you go to small. But if you want something that's large and you want it on a shirt or like I got myself an Analytics or Salad phone case, because Mm -hmm. obviously, um, then you go to the large logo. So there's different options. You just have to um, figure out if it's the small or the large. And so we've got Analytics or Salad. Tidy business. Oh, yeah. We've got two staff and graph logos. Like, and more coming. There's, there's a ton. Um, but if you want to help support the podcast, that truly is the best way to do that That's right now. That's a huge now. help for us, yeah. Um, yeah, so and that the, is... the clothes look great, man. Like, I'm not... Like, not to oh, be yeah, biased we, or anything, but they look... They're kind of fire. They're... they're There's some drip on there. Like, I even bought notebooks for myself um, for school. Amazing. Even though I have an iPad that I use. Mm-hmm. But, like... That's just something where um, everybody uses notebooks for work or whatever it is or mm-hmm. phone cases. So um, if you want to support the podcast, um, that is the best way to do it right now. But kind of like we said off the top, we're with Blue Wire. We got a lot of stuff coming and um, we're just super thankful for everyone who uh, supports this podcast and, and interacts with us on Twitter and and is just a part of what is kind of like the SGP family. Yeah, it's the strongest family out there. Um, And with that, let's talk to Dom. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast right here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, which is pretty good, by the way, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. 
So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance of the program is limited, so you've got to get your application in today. And to apply, you go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. And again, that's bwhustle.com join. Can't wait to have you join the team. Well, it's a special edition of the Staff and Grab podcast this week because we have a fantastic guest to kick off the NHL season. I was going to say 2020-2021 NHL season, but no, time is a construct at this point. We have a chart boy and convicted murderer of uh, Andrew Walker specifically on Twitter, uh, Dom Lecision from The Athletic. Dom, how you doing, buddy? I feel great after you reminded me of that epic dunk because it's... One of the favorites of my career, I'm not going to lie. There's been a few, but that one was so good. <laughs> that that was, I remember seeing that. And it's like, you know, the, you know, the meme where it's like the guy is looking at the phone and it's like on fire mm. like that. That's what my reaction was. You, you put that guy in the ground and we all appreciate you. For I think it. we need like someone to spearhead a behind the dunk podcast and just like, yes, whatever, like the best dunk of the week is you get that person on the podcast and just like break it down. Because that we're gonna steal that idea from you. So I, thank you. I think for it's that. a good segment. I I mean there wasn't much to it, you just gotta be quick witted, but I, I took some extra time, made sure it had the right amount of spice and sassiness in it without being <laughs> too dickish, I guess. But still having like You're in the some right. dickishness. Yeah. I You're mean, in the right I, for absolutely. it. Like, being a like there was zero statistical literacy on his end whatsoever. I also appreciate that we call him Dom on this podcast because in my prior place of work, he was not known as Dom. My boss called him Dome, <laughs> which I don't know what? how many times I had to correct. But it was like, hey, can you ask Dome for this? I'm like, who is Dome? How? How, how does that happen? And I, it got to the point where I was like, um, his real name is Dominic. And so the short form for that is Dom. And still it was Dome. And I was like, I don't know how we got here. But I remember telling you mm-hmm. about it, Dom. And you were just like, what? Was he Eastern European? <laughs> no, decidedly okay. not. Because like, I'm thinking of how like my parents say my full name and like, it mm-hmm. might start with that kind of. But I still, I can't imagine getting there unless you knew, like, as a kid, I was called Domi and then you wanted to short it down to Dome instead of Domi. I don't know. (laughs) Nope. He is as Canadian as it gets. Um, And I honestly just think he, it didn't compute that it was Dom and not Dome. So anyways, we have Dom on the pod and we are going to talk, look, Mike is going to have to deal with two sassy people this week because oh, great. there's Love now it. two of us. I appreciate this. So, Mikey, you want to get into what's trending? Hell yeah, man. So we, if, if you haven't listened to us before, Dom, and you probably haven't, um, we do, uh, you know, plot points because we have to, there has to be some graph stuff on this podcast since Ian left and I'm very mm-hmm. dumb. So I, it's just literally what's trending up, what's trending down. So we have trending up as players on waivers, specifically um, Corey Perry, which was hilarious. Because I love, look, I love Eric Engels. Like, he's fantastic. I think he does a great job. Great. But I, I loved, first, we're going to get into the overhype about Montreal as well. Because I think that's just, it's getting blown out of proportion like crazy this season. But he was like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, the, the Habs tried to sign Wayne Simmons. And now they got Corey Perry for half. And then he's on waivers, like, the day before the season. Um, 
What do you think about that, man? Like, like we got two goalies claimed today. Comrie went to New Jersey after Crawford went down, and then Forrester went to Carolina. Waivers are always a tip, uh, you know, a tough choice. But any sort of hidden gems you see in there? Uh, no, not really. I feel like I was, I wasn't that busy, but I was just dead and exhausted from everything else. That, well, yeah, I couldn't imagine anyone actually good being on waivers. Like, I think Derek Ryan's pretty good, but no one's going to take that cap hit for a fourth line center and. Mm-hmm. I think it was smart of the Leafs not to put Aaron Dell on waivers because he would got he would be claimed like right away. But oh yeah, I actually and his pads are so yeah, nice. I, I actually I don't mind the Angles take that the Habs got Perry for half, and the fact mm-hmm. he's waiver fodder only means he's not in the lineup because he's probably better yeah. than Simmons. Really better? I mean, you think? they're both not good, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's like let's call a spade a spade here. Like they're both not top line forwards like, anymore. No, even no, top yeah. six. <laughs> like, do you want zero point one wins or do you want minus zero point one wins? Does it matter? Like, not really. I mean, I'll take zero point one. Like, if, you, if gun to my head, <laughs> that's what I'll do. I think at that point, like, it really depends on on preference, and maybe the Leafs like saw something in Simmons' game that they thought they could rehabilitate in their system mm-hmm. over someone like Perry for half the price, but. I mean, half the price is a lot for a team that's close to the cap. It's true. Is there a guy who surprised you that hit waivers recently? Like, I know, obviously, you've had so many, you, you know, you've been working 24-7, basically. But, you know, in, in the little bit that you've seen, anyone kind of, you're like, oh, really? That guy? That guy hit the, the wire? I want to clarify that I was not working 24-7. Um, I actually... 23-7? I had time to binge the first season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine again uh, over the last couple of weeks. Because when you're, when you're writing, you cannot write. 24 7 or you will want to kill yourself so during lunchtime i would make sure to put an episode of broken 99 on and sort of mentally stabilize myself in order to write the next few thousand words and mm-hmm. eat a sandwich uh and then i'd end up watching a second episode and then be like oh wow i wasted a lot of time here and then you start rushing <laughs> the writing process yeah uh that's always good where someone had told me that because i just burned myself out so Great. You're, this is why we have the mature adult on the show. Okay, so also trending up, bad ideas. And bad ideas, I mean, it came from Eugene Melnick. Shocker. He said he wants to have 6,000 fans at Ottawa Games this year. And I don't know if Eugene Melnick has been paying attention, but Ottawa was barely allowed to play in their own rink that is empty this year. And then Brendan Shanahan came out and was like, yeah, we're not even thinking about that. Like, what do you think about Eugene essentially... Being huge. I mean, it's basically what Mikey like just said. It's uh, we have an adult in the room, and that's Brendan Shanahan, and then we have someone who's ready to burn the stadium down with COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but the thing is, he's like, yeah, we're gonna have six thousand people. And the best tweet I saw was, it's funny that he thinks there are six thousand Sens fans that will show up. Who will risk their lives for the Sens? There are barely that that'll go to like a Tuesday night game. Who who would risk their life for a Sens game? Like. What 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 game would you risk your life for right now? Nothing. I don't think Literally, anything. Maybe if the Leafs were in Game Seven of the Cup Final, would I risk my life? And even then, I'd be like, but like, mm, I have a nice not. TV. I just watch it. If at it home. was Game Seven against like the Florida Panthers for the Stanley Cup Final, no. like I'm not risking for that. Absolutely not. But like, if it's Game Seven Stanley Cup Final against like Boston or Tampa or yes. Montreal, even. 
I think that'd be exciting. Yeah. Or Edmonton. There's a, there's a tier of teams I think would be exciting, and I'm not going out for. Uh, I'm not. I'm not dying for the Florida Panthers. Oh, do you like tears, Dom? <laughs> are you is is are you big tears guy? I, I used tell. to not be, but like after doing the mm-hmm. player tears project, and even uh, earlier in the year, the Athletic wanted me to start doing power rankings, and I mm-hmm. did those in tears as well. And I think that's. I think that's the move because tiers allow you to, it gives you a get out of jail free card. So we had in the player tiers, Leon Dreisaitl in tier 1B with three mm-hmm. players in tier 1A. And if an Oilers fan is getting mad, they're getting mad at the possibility that we think Dreisaitl is the fourth best player in the world. He, he might yeah. be, he's in that tier and it's close between the, those other guys. I guess you're mad that Matthews is correctly slotted ahead of him. But it just lets people see what they want to see within those tiers, whether they think Panarin's better than Kucherov or vice versa. Mm -hmm. I just really appreciated the fact that you had them listed alphabetically, which put Matthews ahead of McDavid. Love it. And the amount (laughs) of Oilers fans that were ready to show up at your front door was incredible. Like, just did not read the... Or the guy, I don't know, Mikey, if you saw this, but Dom and I definitely did. Um, the guy that was really mad about Matthews and, and Dreisaitl did not spell Matthews or Dreisaitl's name correctly. Drizzle. Are you... S- Drizzle? Drizzle. How? How? D-R-I-S-T-L-E. I can... I- I can forgive Dreisaitl because he's got way too many like A's and I's in that. Like you have to kind of figure that out. I have, thankfully I have like, you know, word like Microsoft word auto corrects it for me now, but Matthews is like one of the most common names in the world. Like if you, if you botch that, like you got to log off. I think he spelled Austin wrong. Austin. Yeah. yeah it's, it's always mm. Austin. It's crazy. Um, and then trending up as well. Likelihood, and this is one I put in without, I kind of went rogue here. Likelihood the NHL pauses the season at some point, as much as it's kind of a bummer, because the N- NBA, obviously the NFL did, but they're just going to push forward. The NBA got, is getting ravaged by COVID right now. They're actually doing like roving bubbles at this point. They just announced it today. And the NHL has already been hit by like four, I think it's four, is it six or four teams that have been hit by cancellations and, and multiple positive tests and the puck hasn't even dropped yet. What, so, is, a, what is a roving bubble? It's basically, I, I know it's crazy, right? It's basically like you have to, you're, you're traveling, but like you're in a bubble while you travel. So like you're not allowed outside unless it's for like activity and like you have to stay in residence when you're on the road and all that kind of stuff. I thought the NHL was already doing that. Yeah, they're already doing that. So the NBA was just being like rogue <laughs> yeah. and doing their own thing. It's very smart. But it's crazy. Like it's the the NBA, like there's like eight players only available like to play these games every night like the, the mm. Dwight Howard was almost a point guard for that <laughs> one point because because of this like for real Doc Rivers is like I'm gonna have to do we're might have to put Dwight at, at the one I'm like whoa um yeah man I don't know this is I mean fingers crossed but I don't they know they had no one else to be point guard over Dwight no. Howard contact tracing man it was literally they, that's where they were I don't think they I think they eventually like figured out a way where he didn't have to but that was like a legitimate conversation before the game what's the funniest like position an NHL player would have to like play that's sort of like Dwight playing point guard I would say like Dreisaitl playing defense somebody (laughs) that Dreisaitl defense or somebody having to play in net that would be just fantastic (laughs) Dom woke up and chose violence today I love it (laughs) 
It's great. Dry side of playing defense. Honestly, I didn't think Twitter was that bad. Maybe I'm doing a lot better at uh, ignoring things and scrolling yeah. past, but I didn't think the... It's not that bad. I didn't think the Edmonton contingent was that bad. The The real problem was the, the Washington contingent. Really? Really mad about old man Ovechkin being uh, mm. in tier three of all places. Oh, yeah. God forbid he's not like the best player in the NHL. We're going to get in to Twitter because mm-hmm. I think at least two of us, and I think Mikey's kind of starting to get it now, have had our, our dunk jobs and, and spats on Twitter. So just Oh, I, I dunked on Tony D'Angelo like a little while ago. Speaking like, of Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, I was going to put, so my, my answer to Dom's question was going to be Tony D'Angelo playing defense because that guy <laughs> straight up doesn't know how to do it. And, left uh, defense, no yes, less. He moved to left of center, which is crazy. So you can now catch Tony D'Angelo on Parlor. The you know the the craziest app out there that's apparently just a, can you? a cesspool. I'm pretty sure Parler's no, canceled. Yeah, Wait, got no, it got it got down. removed. It got removed from the Google Play Store last time I checked. Is it no, like not no, an app anymore? No, it got anymore? taken off the server by Amazon, so now it physically doesn't exist oh, anymore. Fantastic, that's great. Well, his Twitter, like he literally he deactivated his own account the night Trump got deactivated. Said you can find me on like Instagram and Parlor, and then I guess Parlor got shut down. So that's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, love it. Tony training down is Tony D's Twitter account. Um, and before before we get into our deep dive with Dom, a little word from our sponsor. Support for the Staff and Graph podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So Mans- Manscaped just launched in the UK. It's, it's huge. They've gone years without using the right tools for the job, and you can be one of the first men or women in England to experience their life-changing products. Now, look, we've all we've all had mishaps before. The human body is nooks and crannies, and it's tough to it's t- it's tough to hit those with precision every once in a while. I, look, I, I've been on the I've been on the receiving end of of so, of some incidences. Let me just say that you know I, I was very uneducated growing up in this realm of personal uh, maintenance. I'd say so. There've been times where you know you walk away with some cuts and some cuts and bruises, but Manscaped, no. They've redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the, the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accents. And when I tell you this is premium, folks, this is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. Let's take a longer shave. If you need 90 minutes to deal with this, I don't know what, what's happening there, but Manscaped will allow you to do that. They also have waterproof technology which allows you to do in the shower. I mean, look, personally, that's where I do it. And having a, having a, a, a waterproof tool with a motor in it that's not going to electrocute you, it's not going to explode, it's fantastic. And one of the coolest features, now this touches my heart personally, LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. This thing's got an upgraded 7,000 RPM motor with quiet technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. You should have your motor loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code staffgraph at manscaped.com. That's again, 20% off with free shipping, no shipping costs. And everything's getting shipped these days, 20% off free shipping with the code staffgraph, staffgraph at manscaped.com. That's staffgraph, 20% off free shipping, perfect Christmas gift to give your significant other or anyone special in your life who needs it. Again, 20% off promo code staff graph um okay so i want to talk about your model and i know like you and i have chatted about your model 
a whole lot, but I feel like I also come from a stats background, so like you can say various things, and I'll be like, yes, I understand this. But for the people who like to just scream at you and and say that it's it's just math and it doesn't demean anything or whatever the hell else they say, God only knows. How do you go about like building your model and and what made you create game score because game score is kind of like you're the game score boy and i remember like when i was in new jersey they did not even know what that was and so i had to explain it and that was like one of the first times i dm'd you being like um how do i explain this to my bosses and so how did you Mm -hmm. go about creating game score and then that kind of went into you building your model I think what is the key is I did not create game score. I stole it from basketball because it is already a stat there. And this was the year that LeBron was in Cleveland and won the championship. And I was reading everything about it because I was obsessed with LeBron that summer. And I saw 538 was writing about him and used something called game score. I'm like, oh, that's a thing that the NHL doesn't have. And at the time, everyone was always, if someone had a good or bad game, was always like, this guy scored a goal. This guy had a 20% Corsi or this guy was minus four. And I'm like, There's, there must be a better way. And that was the basic gist of it. And so I sort of started thinking of ways to make that. And I settled on the frequency of events or whatever. And I had that going for a bit. And once I actually like looked at the players like over a full season, I'm like, oh, I guess it makes sense that if they have a good game they and they keep having good games, they're a good player. So that's sort of where the idea for model came from. And it was around the time that War on Ice, all those people that were working there got hired by NHL teams and we no longer had a war at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, here's a dumb version of war that anyone can make by themselves because the formula is super easy until someone makes a better one. That was basically it. And I made a model mostly because I like betting and I thought this was the best way to go about it because at the time, a lot of people were betting using team metrics. So if... Bad idea. Nope. Yeah. Not good. If someone was betting on Pittsburgh and Sidney Crosby wasn't playing their numbers would be exactly the same, which is a very big problem. And that's something I wanted to fix. So that's sort of where it all came about. And I've been sort of tweaking things ever since. Wow. I mean, it, it really like for someone like me, who's not smart and doesn't understand this stuff, like to the, obviously to the degree that you do, like how, because what I've seen in this sort of discourse is like, it's very easy to say a lot of complicated things and sound really smart and have no idea what, you know, what have people say, you know, have no idea what you're saying. And then it's, it's also very, it's, it's very difficult to put something together like you do and communicate it in a way that's easy for, again, like people like me to understand it. Like it's, it's very, it's the most difficult thing I think in sports and really in life in general is communicate like is making something complicated sound simple and i think you do a good job of that like how have you found has that something has that been something that you've tried to evolve over time is just sort of like make it more accessible to people make it more because a lot of people like they look at a graph they look at a or not even just a graph but they look at a chart they look at kind of anything with color coding and stuff like that they just kind of with numbers on it and they just kind of roll their eyes like is that being something you've consciously 
kind of stri- strove, striven towards, strive towards? Yeah, I I think it's probably the most important thing for analytics is how you communicate your ideas. Mm. I don't come from a stats background. I took journalism in university and I just happened to be good at math. And I think that education helped me be able to explain the ideas and processes in a way that makes sense to the average person. Because I learned in journalism school, like you need to write for your audience, you need to make things accessible to them. And my first writing gig was at the Hockey News, where you're really thinking about the average hockey fan. And mm-hmm. the editors are like, you need to be very mindful that everyone here isn't as savvy. They're watching hockey and drinking beers and just hanging out. And you need to make that, make it as easily digestible as possible. So that was the, the big thing for me. And that's something I've always tried to be extremely conscious of when I'm writing, because if no one understands what you're saying, then what you're saying is useless. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's like, that's essentially what it's like behind closed doors too, is like, I can give you the most nice chart thing in the entire world, but if the coach doesn't understand it or the GM doesn't understand it, then like, okay, cool. Well, that's what separates people who are successful in front offices. Like if you're like, there are a lot of people on Twitter who are brilliant. Like you see them even on Twitter, brilliant people, brilliant people in the, you know, in the ability, their ability to, you know, come up with these complex, you know, metrics or understand them themselves. But then you think of them, you know, communicating this to Jim Rutherford, for example, or, you know, Dale Talon or something. And you think, well, there's no way they'd be, they'd either be laughed out of the room or they'd call that GM an idiot and get fired on the spot. And so I think that's, that's the biggest thing I think that, at least in my opinion, from, from the, you know, the uneducated kind of perspective on this is that that's the biggest thing that's driving people sort of away from accepting this is that a lot of people don't understand it. And a lot of the people who are coming up with it, not yourself, obviously you've been at the, you know, the front, the, the forefront of this don't know how to explain it. Like you got to break it down like we are children, because when it comes to this, we're reading at a you know kindergarten level. Yeah, I, I've tried very hard to be patient, especially when people ask genuine questions that are mm-hmm. nice. Like I will always give my time for that. Even some like who are a little more rude, I'll be like, OK, this person just doesn't know. Let's breathe in, breathe out. We're going <laughs> to try to be nice. First try. Maybe they come around. Okay. Second try. We'll still be nice. Okay. Third time. Okay. Do you want to bet? Because we can bet on this if you want. And usually they stop talking after that because no one wants to put their money where their mouth is. And that's usually my go-to if someone's being an asshole is to tell them to bet me because they will lose. Especially against you. Yeah. Okay. Like, so you're the betting master, man. We're talking about models, right? And there's somebody on hockey Twitter, uh, CJ Turturro, mm-hmm. and he does great viz. I know, I think I've seen you use it. I know I use it. Um, and he says, like, he's talked to you about um, expected goals, like public expected goals models. Mm-hmm. And I know CJ and I have talked at length about it as well. And in the conversations with you, um, he says, like, you guys talk about how it's, it's less predictive and it's more primitive metrics that are being used. And when he talks about it with me, we talk about how um, there are teams that are like over underachieving. And to me, it always comes back to like the defense thing. Like, I don't know if you saw on Twitter the other day, but a man straight up tried to say that um, defense, like the defense in front of a goalie has no bearing on the goaltender's performance. Oh, this is and I was like, this is some of the dumbest shit I've ever read. 
But what do you think about the public expected goals models? Like, have you seen the private ones? I know, like, the ones that I've seen, they take into account, like, things like passing data, which the public ones don't. So, like, kind of what are your thoughts on unexpected goals models and, and maybe, like, where we go from where we are now? Yeah, so the stuff I talked about with CJ actually, like, goes into the thing you mentioned about how the defense in front of a goalie doesn't matter. And essentially what we were talking about was how I recently changed my goalie model because with the current state of analytics, most people will assume that goal saved above expected is the best goaltending metric. And the assumption you're making is that everything above expected is 100% on the goalie and everything otherwise is on the defense. And I don't think that's true. I think there'll be certain goalies where goal save above expected will miss some of the things that Rachel said about passing data, getting teams that sort of play more East-West. And it's, it's something that current XG is missing. And that is obvious from watching and seeing over the years how Washington continuously outperforms their XG. And I think with goalies, it's the hardest thing to evaluate and project. And you need to be, I guess, you need to be willing to accept that you're wrong and that there are other possibilities other than what the data says. And I think with goaltenders, I'm as open as possible that what I'm doing is probably terrible. And I think it's because it's not that public XG models are bad. It's just that there's some things that aren't accounted for that you need to be weary of. For most teams, it'll be more than fine. It'll line up with what NHL team data has. But for other goalies, like, say, Andre Vasilevsky, it'll be way off. Mm Mm-hmm. What's the most wrong you've been about, like a player or a team? Like, I'm sure that sticks in your in your head. Like, there's something where your model or something kind of it, it laid out a certain thing that you're a certain assumption that you were like, yeah, this is ironclad, and then it just complete opposite happened, or as close to that as possible. I don't know about. I, I don't think anything is ironclad. Like, well, I remember. Yes, obviously, I, that's a figure of speech. Yeah. Though. In terms of like getting acceptance, I think the biggest help that I had was I think two or three years ago. I showed in the season previews the chance of every team like earning a certain amount of points because mm-hmm. when I first started oh, doing yes, it, you did because <laughs> New Jersey made sure to use that as bulletin board material. Yeah. So previously, what I did was just show the average point projection, and that has some issues because people will look and be like, "Okay, this guy thinks they're getting eighty points on the dot. Anything else is wrong," and that's just. Mm-hmm. Not how a 50,000 simulation system works. Like, there are 50,000 outcomes, and 80 points just happens to be something that happens 5% of the time. And on average, that's where it lands. But there's 95% of the time where it lands literally somewhere else. So I, I think a lot of things turned in that discussion once I included that, and people were like, oh, they have a chance for 90 points or 95 points. I can see that now because it is visualized for me. And... I think when you think of those distributions, there aren't many teams that consistently like overperform. I think it's literally just Washington at this point over the last three years. But even last year, the reason they overperformed was not 
the reason most people think it wasn't because they have good players is because their bottom six got, I would say, incredibly lucky. It's interesting that you talked about like how you changed because I, I noticed the, the difference in your kind of projections at the beginning of every year. And I remember distinctly being in New Jersey and like you wrote the projection and like our like the owners were furious because <laughs> they thought like the team was so good. I'm like, all right, just like settle down. Let me explain how Both this the works, breaks please. a bit there. Um, and, and so I had to explain that, like, okay, this is the most likely outcome, but he did, like, a bunch of, like, thousands of simulations, and so I had to go through and, like, explain that, and then we made the playoffs, and they were all like, see, look, Dom is wrong, and I was like, Dom is probably right, and you're probably gonna collapse next year, and then what happened? So I was like, well, you know what, Dom was right, and I think what a lot of people kind of misconstrued about whether it's your model or somebody like Micah McCurdy's or Money Puck is... When you say that there's an X percent chance of a team making the playoffs, let's say there's like a 25 percent chance of a team making the playoffs, there's that's there's a 25 percent chance. So like one in four times it would happen, mm-hmm. but they just see it as oh nope, it's more than 50 percent, and therefore it's wrong and bad. And so I just feel like everyone goes so extreme. Sometimes people do it when they see 51 percent. They're like, oh, you're wrong, you fucking idiot. I cannot believe this. <laughs> I cannot believe and you that's, say that's have me, right? Fifty-one percent chance, and they you're, lost. You're just you're just reading our DMs. So <laughs> at at this point, our so. DMs are all about how tall you are. Yeah, it's true, and I, I appreciate that. I am five ten and a half, by the way. I earned that half. All right, let me just put that out there. I thought you're five eleven and a half. No, I'm five ten and a half. Okay. I don't care what your model says, Dom. I'm five ten and a half. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like it's. <laughs> Again, from the uneducated perspective, it's it's really funny to see that because yeah, people I'm sure people come at you all the time. Like you've you know made it a, a trend, and you're very kind of measured in that. I found like uh, you know especially someone like myself who a couple of years ago was had, maybe had more of a hair trigger. Like if someone was you know questioning the work that I put a lot of effort into, like all the time, and it's you know freaking Ken from you know Red Deer who doesn't know shit and is just gonna like shit all over your your model. Like I yeah 100 percent. that that would piss me off is how how do you like i don't know how do you stay zen in that that's what i've i've always wanted to ask you that this has been like a, a life philosophy of mine because i used to have the shortest temper imaginable and <laughs> when i would see people like i would I, if I, anytime i post an article like early in my career i would be so anxious i'm like they if someone hates it i'll be so upset and if someone like questions something i like thoughtfully explain I'm like like I did I did get heated and that's just how I was in day-to-day life like if there was an argument I was arguing we are mm-hmm. we're, we're in a fight right now oh and I think just like as I grew up I realized that there's no point being angry yeah just fucking calm down and <laughs> chill out everything will be okay if you just I don't want to say don't care as much but Mm -hmm. for most things like it's not worth getting heated about like there's obviously like things that are worth getting heated about worth getting angry about I don't think how good I rate a hockey player is one of those things and so if so I I feel like there's a lot of other things happening in the world right now that that would incite anger and getting mad at somebody's model projections for any sport is probably it shouldn't be very high on the list yeah it's it's also so like 
from my perspective as well, like there have been, and you know, the Twitter perspective, there have been so many wars that have happened over the years. Like obviously there was the Corsi Wars, you know, the, I feel like I'm talking, you know, like civil war history here. Like there were the Corsi Wars in 2013, you know, that, which was crazy. I think we kind of overcame that, but I remember distinctly there were a couple and one of the most ridiculous ones was the Julius Honka Wars in July of 2018. Mm-hmm. Like what do you, what, what's your least favorite I guess, quote unquote, like war or discourse that you've seen around around there. And just, yeah, like how <laughs> how stupid is, is this friggin app that we're all on? It's it's the worst. I it is. I, I hate Twitter because there's no room for like meaning or nuance. Like yeah. people will read your tweet and give you zero benefit of doubt. Mm-hmm. I will tweet something and someone will message back saying, I can't believe you didn't consider this completely obvious thing about this topic. And I'm like, it's so obvious. I didn't fucking write it. I didn't think it was necessary, but here we are. <laughs> and like, <laughs> do you think I'm an idiot and I didn't consider this very obvious thing? And I just, I don't, yes. I don't, I don't get it. And it's just at that point, you're just like, okay, you're an idiot. I'm going to scroll up and not <laughs> engage. The amount of people, like, I will say this. I love reading your articles but I am here for the comments. Like, mm-hmm. the amount of... I encourage everyone listening to this podcast to go to Dom's Vancouver Canucks season preview and read the comments. Not even just that. Then I would like you to go to his top 100 with Craig Custance tier player thing. And I would like you to read the comments there because there are some real winners in those comments. And it is utterly shocking to me how polite dom is to these people because i read a few comments that you responded to and i was like oh what okay you're responding in your customer service voice at that point right like you're just (laughs) i i've i've legitimately like read comments where like that i'm extremely defensive and like i just explain the model yeah if you don't want to it's, believe it's it, it's simple. fine. It's just like, here's what the model sees. And then people are like, wow, you're being so defensive. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. And then <laughs> people will say I'm unprofessional for being sassy. And at that point, just like, whatever, I'm going to go customer service voice and mm-hmm. just not engage. I'll just wait for the season to be over, Vancouver to miss the playoffs, and go back and read the receipts because they're all there. I, oh, yeah. Okay, so speaking yeah, of speaking of that, speaking of, of that um, I just want to get this out on the record. Um, do you watch the games, or do you just look at spreadsheets? I, I can literally move my computer right now to show the, the two TV setup I have in my house because I wanted to watch more games. Wow. Uh, yes, so Dom hashtag watches the games. You heard it here from the man himself. So... Honestly, if you come at him and say watch the games, you deserve to be blocked at this point because I don't even know what to tell you. It's that is the most like the Twitter and the comment section. Like Adrian Dater was probably my favorite oh one, my which is why it was in the preview for the podcast where he was like, what did he say? Something along the lines of like, stop watching a spreadsheet. Like, yeah, I, I did like that dunk a lot because... <laughs> the general concept is what like what he said was so moronic that there's some things you don't need to watch the game for. You, you just know what's bad without watching a single second. That was one of them. I think 
I think the main issue for why people say that is number one, they're unoriginal and lack creativity. That's the biggest fault with the people who are trying to tear you down is they're too dumb to think of anything witty to say. I'll always welcome a terrific original chirp. They make me laugh when they're actually like good, but Mm -hmm. they're rare and that's a shame. But I think the other thing is people don't understand that my job is to write the numbers. We have other Mm -hmm. people to write about what they see. There's a beat writer for every single team. There's other national writers who... There's a report card. Yeah. (laughs) Those people write about what they see. I write about the numbers because that's what I'm good at. It doesn't mean I don't watch the games. I mean, I'm probably not a good game watcher, to be honest. If you put me and Justin Bourne in the same room, he will have so many insightful things about what he just watched. And I'll be like, yeah, Marner, good. Nylander, nice pass. And like, I understand I'm not a great game watcher, but I watch all the games as much as I can. And I do try to blend it into what I write as much as possible. But what I write is about numbers. And that is a fundamental misunderstanding of people who read my stuff. Well, if you put me and Justin Bourne in the same room together, I'm just going to be so distracted by how goddamn handsome that man is. Jeez Louise. It's great. He's also taller than me and you as well. So we're good on that. Speaking of, uh, of play or guess season previews, um, let's talk about Vancouver a little bit. Let's, let's get into some, you know, let's tee up the season a little bit. Cause it's, I guess by the time people are listening to this, it'll, you know, it'll be hours before uh, the puck drops. And Vancouver is definitely, you know, a hot topic here. You, you, you flame them in, uh, in, in your season previews. And also their fans are just, they eat each other. It's fantastic. Um, give it, give me like, what, what do you think of their off season? They obviously lost a ton of, ton of stuff. They have some depth issues. What has made you think that they're going to miss the playoffs? I mean, first of all, I think I was quite nice in their preview. Oh yeah. I was, I try to be as nice as possible every team. I don't know if you guys read the Buffalo preview, but in the comment section of like the main article where like all the previews were housed a buffalo fan was like how much do you like the sabers i i really think it was gonna be a good year i hope you're optimistic about them and I'm, i wasn't but because of that comment would be like i'm gonna write this as optimistically as possible so literally the entire preview was buffalo sabers the best case scenario and for most of the teams i try to look at what the positives were and i want to say i did that mostly with vancouver but the main issue is their bottom six and their defensive depth is pretty suspect, to be honest. Mm-hmm. They have some incredible players from Pedersen to Hughes. They added Schmidt. Miller was amazing last year. Besser, once he starts shooting like we know he can, he's a great player. But after that, it's just very thin. And what saved them last year was they had Markstrom to bail them out this year they do not. And it's not Decidedly. that Holtby can't be good. It's just that he hasn't been good recently. And Demko, he just doesn't have a very large sample size. So it can happen. And that's why they start the season around like 45% to make the playoffs. But they're not in that top four. I'm very excited for them to uh, make the playoffs and all the Vancouver fans to be like, see, you only gave them 45% chance and all that other nonsense that's mm-hmm. going to come with it. Speed, like other than I guess other than Markstrom because that's the most easy example to use because he's their goalie he's great yada yada like who's the most who's the biggest loss that they had like the the player that is going to hit them the most I I can't understand why they qualified Jake for Tannen and let Tyler Troy yeah. walk that makes or Troy little... Stetcher for that matter yeah <sighs> I, I'm not a big Stetcher fan I don't think he's that Ooh. great but like 
He's but Jordy Ben yeah. as the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> for that dollar? I also like, think, I wonder what Dom, like, I wonder what you think. So I was talking to someone <laughs> who was very familiar with the Canucks organization. And they were saying that the loss of Tanev, Tanev himself isn't necessarily a loss, but a lot of people underrate the impact he had on Quinn Hughes and allowing Quinn Hughes to kind of like be at his best. And that this person flat out said to me, if Quinn Hughes has to play with Tyler Myers this year, he's probably going to be minus 40. <laughs> like, what are your thoughts on, on kind of how a defenseman, maybe like a Ron Hainsey, Morgan Riley type of situation, how maybe obviously the less good defenseman on the pair can still impact a star defenseman in terms of how they play. It is a very tough question, especially from like a modeling perspective, because from what I had, all the value went to Hughes and Tanev looked like dead weight. But the reason that person probably likes Tanev is because they watch him, they see that he is safe and a model will hate that, but it allows Hughes to play a way that's not safe because he knows Tanev will be there to cover for him and let him play like a rover fourth forward type. So I, I see the argument and I understand. I just, the reason Tanev isn't valued highly is that I don't think it's that hard to be safe. I feel like they right. can get that from Hamannick, who looks similarly valuable to Tanev and costs a lot less. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, look, there there have been these sneaky moves that they made, like getting obviously they took advantage of Vegas being cap strapped and getting Schmidt for, you know, at, like hay pennies on the dollar. Basically, it's crazy what they got him for. And I think to Travis Hamannick for what is around league men and bring him in on a PTL. It's fantastic. And yet here they are. And, and so kind of leads us into the Canadian division, I guess, because your models predicted teams to kind of break out. Right. Like you pr- it predicted, you know, Leafs in, in 2017, the Jets in 18 and all that kind of stuff. Who's who's your who's your sneaky team this year? Is it Montreal, like everyone says, or is it somewhere else? And not even just in the Canadian division, I guess. E- everywhere. But we'll get to the Leafs in a sec. I, I need to I need to think about this because I, I did see that question, and I think it's not so much that my model predicts teams to break out. It just thinks that teams are better than consensus. So people will have mm-hmm. an idea of how good a team is, and the year of the Jets my model loved them the year before. And everyone's like, why does your model like the Jets so much? Is because they had what looked like good players. And the next year, they still had those good players, but they were a lot more fortunate. They all got better. They were all younger. And that really helped them. This year, I think over the past few years, people have sort of their opinions and sort of you see the models all the time now. And that sort of shapes your baseline. Mm-hmm. Whereas before you wouldn't have necessarily baseline, you'd go off of whatever the talking heads were saying. But now that these models are like in day to day discussions, you see them, it becomes part of how we evaluate teams. So there aren't many teams that I guess are in that category more. I I think I have Montreal second in the North Division. And before I was writing I think that was that seemed like sort of a hot take, but now it seems like the common take. Mm-hmm. So, well, what do you, what do you think about that then, in terms of the hype around Montreal? Because that seemed that that train has really left the station at this point. It, it's gaining some momentum. Do you think it's because you said you know not consensus, but it seems to be the consensus now that they're going to 
you know, it's weird that a consensus is for a team to surprise. It's not necessarily a surprise anymore. It's Schrodinger's uh, uh, sleeper, I guess. Yeah. What do you think of the Canadians in their offseason? Because they made some good moves. They made some questionable ones. I, I like the idea of what they're doing. I'm not completely sold on trading Domi for Anderson by, like, I think it's a different fit and a nice element mm-hmm. for that team that really could use someone with Anderson's... Not when, not when you could have had Dubois instead. Well, they didn't know they could have Dubois at the time, maybe. I'm not sure. Apparently it's been out but there for a while. But is that not a question you ask? Like, I remember being in a front office and it was like, okay, we're targeting this player, but, like, let's just ask about this player just in case. And, like, Dubois was an unsigned RFA in the same way that no one's going to call the Islanders up until, like, last week and be like, so, like, about that Barzell guy. Like, what do you think about the fact that it's kind of come out that the Habs have traded, obviously, for Josh Anderson, and he was an element that you mentioned that that would really help them. But then there was clearly an opportunity to get a French-Canadian star. And they just, like, did Mark Bergevin just, like, not do due diligence? Or, like, what happened there? Maybe they just, like, assume that there's no way Dubois would get moved and it was just a miscalculation on their part. But, yeah, it seems terrible in hindsight. I probably, I might I might have made the same mistake. If I called Montreal or Columbus about a player out me, I probably wouldn't even imagine Dubois was in the conversation. But again, this is a team that officiated Sebastian Ajo a year earlier. It feels like they're the type of team that would do that due diligence. So it's it's very strange, but I still like a lot of what Montreal did. I think Jake Allen is fine, but if Carey Price plays fewer games, he should be better. Mm-hmm. I think people are overhyping 10 games in the bubble a lot. I don't think he's... Yes, thank you. I don't think he's anywhere close to the goalie he used to be in. In my preview, I literally went back his last season, season prior, and checked if he had a 10-game stretch like the one he had the bubble, and he did in each year. And in each year, it didn't really matter. The team was still bad. So it could just be a thing where Price just happened to get hot at the right time, and that's not the reason my model's high on them. It likes their depth, and they don't really have any star players, but... Their forwards and defensemen are both really strong from top to bottom. How much does that rest play into Carey Price's performance? Like how, like because that's been the main narrative and the whole, uh, the whole, I guess, sort of explanation for why you're signing Jake Allen to that much money and that much term to be a backup goaltender. Or I guess you know, it's he's not even a one B because Price is obviously the main starter. How much does that? How much do you think that actually would play into that? Because it better, or else there's no justification for it. I I have never like actually look too much into it but i mean it's the narrative right we're gonna find out and it's a nice case study for the rest of us to see if it actually Mm -hmm. is something that's meaningful but something i did look at with ryan clark during the bubble was that teams who had tandem goalies my model underrated them in the playoffs very frequently so it could be something there where playing less in the regular season makes them fresher for the playoffs but I'm not 100% sure on what the actual effect size is. Well, the last team that, that won a Stanley Cup with a goaltender who played over 60 games in a regular season was the Kings in 2011 with Jonathan Quick. Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened in, in a decade at this point. Yeah. So there has to be something there. Yeah. Um, I guess we, we got to talk about the team that pays the bills, that, uh, 
that keeps the lights on in the league office. It's the Leafs. I'm personally, and I think Rachel and I are both when we did our, our division breakdowns when there was nothing going on um, and we spent two hours talking about the friggin' Pacific division or whatever, but the like the Leafs have had an obviously their entire roster is almost turned over like at least the bottom half of it just really I guess generally give me your thoughts on the Leafs it'll be tough because of that turnover and it's hard to be 100% sure of what the team can be with all with all these new faces but mm-hmm. based on who they already had based on their core based on what those new faces should be able to do I I don't think it's close in the Canadian division. I think the Leafs are in a league of their own, and that's something echoed by most other models. I'm not going to say all other models because there are some out there that are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly do think, though, like when I was kind of going through and and just like using my own brain and like some of the numbers and and kind of what I knew, and then I was kind of waiting for like your model and and Micah's and, and a couple of the other ones. And this was kind of the the trend was that Toronto like on paper is just so shoulder like head and shoulders above everybody else and then you've kind of got that cluster in the middle and then you've got Ottawa at the bottom Mm -hmm. and I think that it's kind of this consensus where right now everyone kind of expects Toronto to finish at the top Ottawa to finish at the bottom and then like anything could happen in between and the reality is is like Connor Hellebuck could decide he wants to win the Vesna again and like Mm-hmm. Winnipeg ends up up there or like I don't know Carey Price decides he doesn't want to play hockey anymore and Montreal could falter like I think a number of things could happen but as far as the Leafs are concerned like they're the I think they're the only Canadian team that has kind of scoring outside of their top line on a consistent basis because if you look at Edmonton Dreisaitl and McDavid score and like that's it Right. If you look at Vancouver, they have Pedersen, like the lotto line, I think they call it, but they don't get enough scoring. Like, for fuck's sake, they had Louis Erickson playing in the top six. Like, what are you doing? Your boy's on waivers now. Yeah. Well, I, no shit. He's terrible. Um, so I think like Toronto's depth scoring and the fact that they have superstars kind of like super makes them like the juggernaut. Is that sort of what your model tells you is that it's the stars plus the bottom six i actually i don't i don't love toronto's depth mostly because i i don't think joe thornton is gonna be that good i guess we'll see and i was just gonna ask you about him yeah Yeah. i we will see but the man is old and was quite bad last year so i don't know it'll be tough but i think the reason to like the leafs is because they have four star players and they can create two very elite top lines that are going to be very hard to beat. Edmonton has McDavid and Dreisaitl, and they do have Nuge and uh, Kaylor Yamamoto, if he can keep up what he did last year. So they're the closest in that ability to have a stacked top six, but the rest of Edmonton's team is bad, especially on defense. What about their goalies? Do tell. They're, I think they're not as bad as most people are making them out to be, but they're still a very huge question mark, especially going all in on Koskinen. Yeah, I don't. What's going on? There? Yeah, but yeah, I I I like Edmonton and Toronto's top six, but the big difference there is that Toronto has a competent defense now, and Edmonton has what people believe Toronto's defense is. 
So what are you? What are your? I guess obviously you know the big one of the biggest buzzwords in player and team now evaluation is regression. You know everyone talks about regression. Who are your candidates for regression this year? And also like give a give a bit of an explainer first, I guess, on what that actually means because I feel like a lot of people have different ideas of what that is or use that in a wrong like in the wrong way. So. Yeah, maybe a two-part question. I feel like, yeah, I feel like also Dom and I are about to have the same candidates for regression here. I can't wait. (laughs) I think it's, I think most people, when they hear regression, they think negative. And they think Mm -hmm. this is a team that overperformed last year. But regression also means underperformed. Yes. Because it means you're going back to, towards your average level. So there are teams like Detroit, who are well below their mean last year playing garbage hockey night in night Mm -hmm. out and this is a fresh season so i think of any team with regression potential it's them and it's not doesn't mean they'll be a good team it just means they'll be they look like an nhl one yes so like let's yeah let's historically how bad were they last year (laughs) detroit is there's a difference you can like dom was saying like regressing positively which is i'm assuming what detroit is going to do i don't think you could be much worse than you are last year um, but then there's like negative regression. So like, let's say someone had an inflated shooting percentage, like you're not going to score. Like, I think Patrick Line one year had like a 28% shooting percentage. You're not scoring at 28% the whole time. So you're going to regress negatively back to your true shooting talent, which is probably, I would say closer to like for Patrick Line, maybe 18, but like there are positive ways. And I think that yeah, you have teams that are going to regress positively, but then I think you're also going to have teams uh, and players that regress uh, negatively big time this year, especially because it's going to be like that um, that shortened season and there's going to be no rest. So who are your kind of player candidates, let's say not team candidates, but player mm-hmm. candidates um, to regress negatively? Player candidates? I need a... Yeah. I need to think. I thought we were talking about teams here. Player candidates. Who had a... I'm going to let Mikey talk while I think. <laughs> Stare off into the ceiling. Oh, don't don't hand me the mic. I can just talk about bullshit all day, man. That's what this podcast like, is. Because, like, I have a couple that are, like... I oh, think, hit us, Rachel. Go for I it. I think Dominic Kubalik mm-hmm. Really? You think he's going to... Der- a little bit. Um, I think Dreisaitl regresses a marginally. Like, I don't mm. think he's shooting 20% again this year. He did it two years in a row, though. That's the thing. Like that's I, that's the thing with the regression is you need to know where the true talent level is. So before last season, I think Trisetto looked like an incredible regression candidate, and I figured that as much. I think it's why I had Edmonton pretty low because I didn't expect him to do to score fifty goals again. But then he did it again, and he's like, once you see Trisetto do shoot twenty percent two years in a row, it's like, okay, you know what? He might be a twenty percent shooter or eighteen. Whereas someone like Mika Zibanejad, who scored yeah. on every <laughs> shot he took down the stretch, probably won't do that again. Like, regression doesn't mean they won't. It's just, I want to see them do it again before I believe it. Yeah, yeah. and I think for me, the key here with Dreisaitl, I think that's why I said, like, minor. Like, I, I don't think he'll mm-hmm. shoot 20% again. I think he'll probably shoot 17 mm-hmm. but even if you're shooting 17%, that's an extra probably five or six goals off the board, right? Yeah. So, like, there's a difference there. But by no means, like, I still think Dreisaitl is going to be a top five player um, in the NHL. I think 
from a positive regression standpoint, somebody like Nick Suzuki, maybe. Um, Chandler Stevenson, who apparently is playing on the second line in Vegas. Um, Isn't, that's basically somebody the top like line. that, but oh god! I mean, whatever line Stone is on, that's a top line. I don't want to deal with the the bullshit of oh, it's the Carlson line that's a top line. Like, no, the Stone line is the top line. I remember a couple of years ago when anytime the Tampa lines would be released, it was Stamkos at the top with Kucherov and Point on the second line. It's like, no, no, nope. Kucherov <laughs> is the top line. No one's no one's getting fooled by the order you're putting it in. It's the same with a potential regression candidate in Vancouver mm-hmm. because that top line with Pedersen and Miller had a very high on-ice shooting percentage last year. And Pedersen didn't get credit for a lot of points on those goals, so that might regress for him, but there will probably be less goals to get points on next year. And I think that has a big effect on Miller, who might not have the same output going to next season. So I, like, because I guess to expand it into a more of a broader conversation about player evaluation. So I'm thinking, like, because we we were talking about Wayne Simmons versus Corey Perry. And I look at those two players and I go, okay, like they're relatively like people like to compare them. They're rel- you know, the the difference in I guess what what the projections are, it's you know, minus zero point one wins opposed to zero point one wins. How does like when it comes to player evaluation, how do you take health into account with that? Because from my again, from my just like eye test, you know, whatever perspective here, Wayne Simmons has been plagued by just horrendous injuries for the last, you know, three, four years or three, four seasons. And he hasn't and now he's been able to not just not just like sort of train to get back to his normal level, but actually rehab, actually get better, actually maybe, you know, get back to not get back completely to where he was before, but to heal. He's his body is being able to heal. He's able to feel better and more like that player, at least feel more like the player that he used to be that for the first time in, in years. How how does how does a model or how does a projection take into account that like does it at all? Uh, only implicitly in the sense that. Mm-hmm you should never use just one year because it's not enough data, especially for hockey. Yeah. And that will take care of a lot of the regression stuff that Rachel was talking about. So I, for all my player evaluations, I use three years. I wait the most Mm -hmm. recent season, the heaviest, the second season after that, and then the third season. So if there's info in those prior two seasons suggesting a player is actually a great player and he was just having a down year, the prior seasons will bring him back up. So someone like Taylor Hall, for example, previously in New Jersey, he was probably a four win player last year. He had that really rough start and then was kind of fine in Arizona and he was a two win player. So my model will be like, okay, we have all this data before of Taylor Hall being very good. And then last year being a borderline first line forward. So what do we put him at Mm. this year is somewhere in the middle. Right, and I think this year, this year we'll see Taylor Hall probably play more to that four-win pace, especially because he's actually going to play with a real live center mm-hmm. who is good. Like he played with, he won the heart with a rookie center, and I feel like a lot of people forget that. Like Nico Heischer was a rookie, and he wasn't exactly an offensive dynamo. That's not what he is. He's more of like the Pavel Datsuk mold of like a really really good player at both ends of the ice but I think with Taylor Hall like that's a great example like that's someone where you've had a really good season with the heart season and then last year obviously like wasn't the best but now this year I think for the first time we're actually going to get him see him play with another elite 
like with an elite center. Yeah. And and what he'll be able to do with that. And I think that's sort of a a telltale. That'll be a, a telltale for can he play with star players and, and what's his output look like when he's actually playing with players that match his talent level. I think one of the biggest hockey crimes is that Taylor Hall only got like 70 minutes with Connor McDavid. <laughs> Oh, I know that is one of the, there's an alternate, there's an alternate universe where they're like a dynamic duo together. Yeah. Like I, I think about that a lot, you know, when I'm up late at night, <laughs> you know, there's Marvin's room playing in the background and it's just like, it's, it's, you know, sad boy hours. And I think, man, Taylor Hall and Connor McDavid, like just, they seem like a perfect combination together and they were just ripped apart too early. Is that your sad boy hours go to? Yeah. The Taylor Hall, Connor McDavid thing. Oh yeah. No, like, I mean, not, Marvin's you know, room. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. What's your sad boy? That's the most. I think that's the best sad boy hour song ever created. I mean, probably it's just like a little old. I don't know. I anytime I'm in sad boy hours, I listen to Frank Ocean, Blonde. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> on repeat. True. That's yeah. That that hits. That that makes me miss people I've never even met before. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, no. Like, and I guess. A lot of people, because you look at Taylor Hall's production, if we're going to if we're going to go on a Taylor Hall tangent, you look at Taylor Hall's production the last little bit, and I th- there's a growing consensus, at least that I've seen, that he might be a bit overrated. And I, there is that the conception, and also a branch off to that. Who, in your opinion, is the most like the where does the who, in your opinion, is the most overrated player in the sense that where the perception from you from a stats based. Um, perspective i guess and then from just like the general consensus where like which player has the greatest divide there it's an interesting question because it depends who you're talking to and one of the i'm talking to you dom i understand so if i say (laughs) who's the most overrated i'll say players like john carlson probably Mm -hmm. and who isn't dougie hamilton noted yeah but the beauty of the player evaluation like even among nhl teams and this is the reason why you probably don't see many trades is every team rates players very differently and they all have mm-hmm. different opinions. And that was sort of the fun part of our player tiers project is that some people had very like wide ranging opinions. And if you ask one of them, they'll be like Dougie Hamilton is the most overrated player. If you ask me, I'll say it's John Carlson or Seth Jones, maybe. <laughs> and okay. Okay. They'll say Seth Jones is underrated based on how many, how he doesn't get, a lot of points or whatever and he's like oh this guy's actually like really good and then the analytics will be not great and so mm-hmm. there's there's a battle i think a lot of the, the arguments happen with defensemen too because that is something that's very hard to evaluate with your eyes and with numbers too you're not going to get the full picture from either yeah defensemen like even trying to quantify like how valuable they are i think player tracking will help with this and i've I've long said that because then at that point you can measure a gap so you can say oh this guy has a bad gap well if i pull up the tracking data and it says he doesn't have a a, a bad gap then like the tracking data it trumps your eyeballs like it, it literally just measures it um but what about somebody who has been polarizing um at least in the city that we live in and william nylander because the hockey men hate him. They say he doesn't get to the front of the net, but then I open my computer and he has the most goals from the inner slot, which is legitimately the place directly in front of the net, which would indicate that you would obviously have to be there if you were going to score. So what are your opinions on A, William Nylander, and B, that entire discourse around him versus somebody like Mitch Marner? 
my biggest Nylander opinion right now is I have no fucking idea what his recent headshot <laughs> is about with the mustache and the long his hair. His face gets bigger and his features stay the same. And it's it's really tripping me out. I Have you not noticed that? I, I, I don't I don't understand. I I feel like I've been wrong my entire life thinking this is an attractive man because he looks terrible. Like I'm sorry, yeah. Nylander, if you happen to be watching this, but like He's you're a, huge, a hot dude and fan. you're not doing yourself any favors right now. He did not have a hot boy winter, that's for sure. <laughs> he had a hot boy summer, though. He was, you know, doing Tootsie slides, you know, shirtless in, you know, the Dominican Republic or whatever. Like, he was he was having a hot boy summer. He just happened to not be a, I guess, a hot boy winter. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the discourse between Nylander is the most divisive thing in, in this entire market. Like, the, like, that has power. That contract negotiation, like, powered, like... I don't want. I want to say like talk radio and literally any kind of takes. It was the the power source for that for an entire almost calendar year. It was crazy. Um, you look at a player like that, and I think a lot of it comes down to intangibles. Like a lot of it comes down to like the 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 divide in perception here. Like it's this guy. You know, he he just plays the game in a way that makes it look so easy for him that people don't think he's trying hard. Like from your eye test opinion, we'll go we'll go an eye test opinion here. Like what? What do you think of him as a player? I think he looks great because it is that effort. It is that effortless thing. I value that when a player looks like he's not trying and he's killing it. I'm like, this is a this is a fucking good player. Oh, and yeah. Matthews is sort of like that as well, where it doesn't look like he's trying. I think people. I think that pisses people off. I think if, yes. <laughs> I think if people saw how hard I worked, which is not very hard to be honest, I think it would really make them mad. I think they would hate me more because like they obviously see the output and be like how the fuck did this guy do this he didn't sleep and i'm like i still got like a regular sleep schedule i squeezed in some Brooklyn 99 i stopped making dinner and cleaning my dishes but like i did it <laughs> whereas most people would have to like sleep like two hours per night mm-hmm. and doing things that's effortless when for someone else would take so much effort is annoying when you see someone who just can do things, it's frustrating. And so you see Nylander not trying or making it effortless. I don't know why I did square quotes as if this podcast <laughs> is going to be a video, but I did scare quotes for those who uh, are not part of this Zoom call. Um, you see Nylander, quote unquote, not trying and think this guy could be better if he tried. And the reason he's good is because it's so natural to him. And that comes from all the hard effort, hard work he put in to get to this point. Yeah. Like it's, it's the John Mayer syndrome where he, he goes up there on stage and he looks like he doesn't give a shit. He looks like he doesn't even want to be there. And yet he's just busting out these beautiful chords and everyone just goes, fuck this guy, man. Like mm-hmm. he's so good and talented and yet he doesn't, it looks like he doesn't care, but that's like part of the mystique. I think, I think William Nylander is the John Mayer of hockey. That's my, that's my opinion. I see it. I see, see it. it. Yeah. I, yeah. uh, I so that. do we have a consensus is William Nylander good yes or you is know, he bad anyone <laughs> who opened this podcast knew for a fact that all three of us were saying Nylander was good like we yes. want to make it really spicy like one of us would say Nylander's bad like oh shit this, this podcast just got real I'll do I it I'll, I'll take, take the bullet whatever I would rather have <laughs> Nylander and his contract on my team than Marner and his contract on my team interesting well if you include the contract yeah that's yeah. what I'm yeah like if you had to say like if someone called me up and said you could have William Nylander you could have William Nylander or Mitch Marner but you have to also take their current contract 
I'm taking William Nylander, like, easily. Well, Mitch Marner's not almost double as, doubly as good or twice as good as, as Nylander is, and he's, that his dollar amount is, what, like, 75%? I also <laughs> don't want the headache. Yeah, true. It's, like, it's crazy. Like, Nylander's dad doesn't seem to get ejected from the arena and way to go paul trumpeting himself in the media and his agent isn't a literal loon ball like i just the entirety of the situation i love watching mitch marner play hockey like i think he's fantastic and i think if he wasn't on a team that also had austin matthews and john Tavares on it like if you stuck mitch marner in arizona like he would be a superstar there um and there would be names on jerseys and and all of that but i just think that a player of that uh, that gets paid that much money cannot just disappear in the playoffs. Like, it's just not a thing. If you get paid over $8 million, you do not get to disappear in the playoffs. And I think it's, like, two in a row now. He's kind of been virtually non-existent for me. He blocked that shot. He did. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, yes, he did good a for one him. good hockey man thing. Uh, I honestly feel like Marner is getting underrated in yes. this market it's kind of insane because he was getting so overrated as soon as you put like a dollar figure on his worth a dollar figure that wasn't that far off his worth it's insane how people turn on him and that pressure went to him obviously and he didn't have the best season but once Keith came along he uh, scored at a 98 point pace and led the Leafs in expected goals percentage and I don't think people is that good uh, that might be good I think people don't seem to That's realize good, that decidedly According to your model, is that good? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. See, like, and I think kind of like you heard what it I was here trying first. to get at is, like, obviously, like, any Leafs fan, like, you're going to want Mitch Marner on the team. But to say there's, like, this great chasm between the play of Mitch Marner and the play of William Nylander, that Marner is somehow worth his contract, but William Nylander is not worth his contract. I think that's the discourse where I'm like you legitimately have mm. no idea what you're talking about. I think people who think Nylander is not worth his contract are just willfully obtuse. They, they're, mm. You're not going to change their minds. <laughs> the man obtuse. at the bar, what is his name? Pete from Sault Ste. Marie or whatever? Oh, it's like Doug from Maple or something. Like it's, It doesn't matter. It's, How many Dougs from Maple chirp you on Twitter on a daily basis? How many guys who have Oakleys in their profile picture chirp you? on Twitter on a daily basis. I feel like that's the best filter to to put a to put on there. It's it's crazy. Um I guess before we get into some some gut feelings from you. Um I was going to I was going to ask essentially like what is your uh well with the player tiers just to circle back to that one last time. What you talked to a lot of hockey men, like ho- a lot of hockey executives. What was the most ridiculous take that you heard from them? You don't have to, obviously you don't have to name them, but what was one that like you got and you're like, "Wait, what?" I mean, for the record, I didn't talk to the hockey men. Well, that's, yes. that's, okay. That was Craig's Look, job. we don't have to that's have That's why we love mystique. Craig. Craig is... You broke the mystique, man. What do we... There's no, no mystique. Take credit for it. People see the byline. They see Craig Custance and Dom Lustician. They see quotes. They're like, there's no way Dom talked to any of these fucking people. <laughs> what was the one that surprised you the most then? Because um, like, I'm sure you read whatever they well, said. Oh, yeah. You and had to. There, let you me had just to. say this. As someone who has sat on the other side of this... When I, I I don't know, maybe it was you that released like player rankings or whatever. Some of the things that I heard, I was like, oh, right then. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, I 
like the the quotes we got, there's a lot more than what like made it into the article, obviously, because it was a ten thousand word article, and mm-hmm. a lot of the quotes were "move this player up, move this player down," or whatever. Two things that were most surprising: the first was that just how much the people in hockey generally agreed with the list. Like, it's very hard wow. to get that many people to be like, you know what, this is a decent look. Like, we'd have people in a different tier. We'd have some things that are a bit egregious, but, like, overall, like, this is a good list. And I think that's the power of having tiers is you can sort of view in your own way. And I think the people who commented saying this list is garbage probably still will think it's garbage, even though I'm telling you that the people who work for NHL teams looked at this list and said, this is a pretty good list. And that's okay, but I think the three of us are in agreement here that the people who work for NHL teams aren't necessarily the most qualified people either. They're, I mean, maybe not, but if I'm taking people who work for NHL teams over Joseph M in the comment section, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I'm taking yes. the people that work for NHL teams. I think, like, I hate p- appealing to authority, but like, I think that whole <laughs> idea, like, gives it a bad rep. Like these guys like that were NHL mm-hmm. teams. They have been around the game a long time. They do generally know what they're talking about, even if they make some strange choices and say things like I would get Tom Wilson on this list. And that was, that was the second one. No, that was the, that was the one quote. I'm like, okay, I, cool. I don't know about cool, cool, that cool. one. No doubt. All right. Yeah. I would love to <laughs> trade with that person. Oh yeah. Well, it's what uh what who said it? I think it was was it Cam Sharon who said like the best the mark of a good GM is identifying who the bad GMs are and calling them every day. Yep. Yeah. That's that I every every team should live there or I guess every I guess if you if you don't adhere to that then you might be the bad GM. Yeah. I mean, Colorado trading for Devin Taves I think is a good example of that. But we don't have to go oh, there. Yeah. No, no, we don't. I, Rachel already got mad at me for talking about Lula Morella so much in the last podcast. We won't do it now because she 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 hits hard, and I'm I'm a soft boy. Um, so I want to get some of your gut instincts on here. Like, take the model out of the equation. Just dom the hockey fan right now. Who is yes, exactly? As you, if you can't see on the video, Dom took off his stats cap and put it next to him. No, so I, he's he's going he's going in raw. I right removed now. my brain. Oh, I was sorry. Yes. Say that yeah. looked like he was doing like a craniectomy there, and he Look, was just I, like removing his brain out of his head. Sorry, yeah. Take your brain, take your brain out of your head, put it on the ground or in a, in a case, whatever. I, don't I know need how. you to be Joseph M. Yes, is basically what I need you to be, or whoever the guy that misspelled Dreisaitl. That's who I need you to be. Channel your inner uncle. Okay. Um, <laughs> give me your uh, give me your rewards picks, and just from like again, not from a model perspective, from Dom the hockey fan. Who, who do you got winning the heart? Norris Vesna. All right. Let's go. Tell me the award. I'll tell you who's going to win. We're going to go. Heart. We're going we're, we're gonna to live Rapid on Narrative fire? Street, okay? Yes, Narrative Street. Yes. Let's go. We're, we're putting in our... How much is our mortgage? It doesn't matter. We're, we're moving in. Let's okay. go. Heart. heart. McDavid. Most points. Boom. Done. Incredible. Norris. Seth Jones. Really? Is it his turn this it's year? It's his turn. It's his... It's the le- it's, his turn. Is this his Leonardo DiCaprio Revenant year? I think so. Where he where he wins for legacy? Okay, fantastic. Um, who do you think is going to get snubbed in that case then? From the Norris? Yes. That would require like thinking. Who, I don't want to do who's that. Gonna be his, who's going to be his Carlson? Quick, quick. Off Douglas the top of your Hamilton. head. Sure, Hamilton. Great. Okay, Vesna. Vesna? Yeah. I don't have a wheel to spin. I'm just going to say Vasilevsky. Boom. <laughs> a wheel to spin. <laughs> Selkie, go. Uh, 
Who's, this is the most narrative-based one, whose too. Whose turn is it? Oh, no. Couture won last Couture year. Couture won Sorelli. last year. No, Sorelli. It's not his turn yet. That's four years from now. Um, Bergeron won recently, right? Yeah. So. <sighs> Bergeron, Centered. legacy pick. Ryan O'Reilly? Ryan O'Reilly? No, Bergeron's going to win Bergeron? one last one. Fantastic. Lady Bing. Who cares? That's true. Okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> literally cares? Mark Messier Leadership Award. God, that's the that's the narrative award right there. Oh my god, uh, <laughs> Stephen Stamkos, easy. Who wins Incredible. the cup? Who wins the cup? Yeah. Leafs. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's baby. what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. All right. Well, we had a great conversation with Dom. We're just gonna move into a couple questions, and then we'll let you go back to doing whatever you do, being short. You know, all that kind of We're stuff. We're the same height. <laughs> I know we are. It's He's probably going to eat like a Popeye's chicken sandwich, which, by the way, I, I made like, myself and it was better. Okay. No. Yeah, he obviously. yelled at me. I, I don't doubt so, that. It's fresh. I'll make it for you. Dom has introduced me to two fast food franchises that I actually had one of them in place of McDonald's a couple weeks ago, which is like shocking. I know. Was it Popeye's? Um, no, but it was the other one. So Dom introduced me to Burger Priest, which is fucking great you only just got into how long have you lived in the Come city on, dude yeah i know it's bad okay thank you it is and bad. the other one is the popeye's chicken sandwich whenever i have burger fast food questions i actually just message dom and i'm mm. like okay do we have thoughts on this and he will give me his thoughts and then i will make my decision based on that you actually you sound like my ex i brought her to burger's <laughs> priest i think this was like second date Burger's Priest is a very mm-hmm. important place in my life, so we take girls yeah. to Burger's Priest. clearly. And this girl loves her McDonald's, and I don't know why. I haven't had McDonald's, and like, once I found Burger's Priest, I'm not going well, to yeah. McDonald's unless I'm, I'm wasted and Burger's Priest basis. is closed. <laughs> don't tell Rachel that. She lives, I am like, literally on a first on name basis with the manager of the McDonald's by my house. You're, you're an insane person. Anyway, so yeah. I, I bring her to Burger's Priest, and she says it was good, but she said she'd still rather have McDonald's. And I mean, that should have been the red flag right there, but I'm an open-minded person. I let it slide. I'm like, you know what? We'll be back. She might change her mind. Maybe this was just a bad run. Maybe she ordered the wrong thing. And eventually she she came around to understanding the greatness, but she Good. still would have her McDonald's every once in a while, and I I didn't understand that. I had a similar red flag Burger Priest situation with my ex, too, because I remember going there, and this was again early in the relationship and i remember she 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 had it and she was like oh this is like classy mcdonald's and i'm like get the are you kidding me what i know dom just oh my god <laughs> classy mcdonald's classy mcdonald's this is what i know this is why we're single we'll just date each other exactly and we'll just eat burgers <laughs> priest. oh my god It'll be great right dom single okay so now we have to ask this question oh, no. oh yeah um so we did the statulorette a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. okay um where it was kind of like get to know like rachel and mikey but we if you're on a date with where, either of us like, what are you gonna ask go, us that's what we did we go on and we say like the craziest shit that people have slid into our dms with or like said on hinge mm-hmm. are you on the dating apps and if so like what has been the most wacko thing someone has said to you <laughs> I am not currently on the dating apps. I had them for a month and then I'm like, this is stupid. So I just delete it. Cause like, if I see a girl's profile, be like, yeah, you're hot. I guess <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing. It's a screen. Like, I don't know this person. They're just a random being on the earth and their profile yeah, hot, is so <laughs> like, it does nothing for me. Like, 
<laughs> and then you talk to them, and it's just like, this is a conversation. I don't know. So it's not... <laughs> I don't know. Can I talk to you about my charts? <laughs> I, don't, I don't talk to girls about my charts. That just seems... Talk charts to me, baby. Let's go. That's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Um, <laughs> I we our our description. It's not gonna be anything that we talked about. It's just gonna be yeah, you're hot. I guess mm-hmm. Dom decision. Yeah, January twelfth, twenty twenty. I for the people who listen for a full hour and fifteen and get to this point, you're you're welcome yeah. for that. One line exactly. that was in the title. Um, <laughs> I can't. I can't remember like any. There was like one very strange, like trolley conversation I had with someone. And I was just sort of like going along with it. And I don't, this was like four months ago. I don't remember it at all, but I, it was genuinely ridiculous. I'm like, this is what a person is doing with their time. They're mm-hmm. on, they're on Tind and just messaging guys, some depraved fucked up shit. You know, there's a that lot of free time out the there. the best description of a dating app. Depraved fucked, fucked up, shit. up shit. Yeah. Yeah. This is why we bring Dom on the podcast. Exactly. Honestly, I, the best part of the podcast was not talking hockey. That, those are my favorite oh, podcasts. I know. It's the best. I, we, had, we obviously had to because people are going to be pissed if we don't. But man, I could I, literally like if we could talk another two hours about just sandwiches. And We're going to get Dom on. Maybe we'll For do sure. like a conference room with Dom where yeah, we, we don't talk about hockey at all. At all. <laughs> Anything but hockey podcast. Exactly. Just I shooting think- the shit. Yeah, like what? Dude, that's that's literally what Rachel and I do on this podcast all the time. We talk about me crying over the Mandalorian more than we talk about actual hockey. It's fantastic. Yeah, and we also talk about how Rachel has near life or near death experiences driving to Mike's place because mm-hmm. my goodness, the people Dom can attest to this, the people in this city do not know how to drive. Right. So here's the thing. Rachel is someone who lives in the city and mm-hmm. Rachel is the common denominator in all those near death experiences. I'm just exactly. I'm just saying uh, it might be Rachel. Uh, producer, put be. the X Files theme in the background of this because it's exactly yeah. Or you know what, Dom just did it perfectly and flawlessly. I think that's right. I don't know. It's, it's been perfect. it's been a while. All right, let's. We have a couple listener three, questions yeah. that we'll get into. I feel like we should real it's quick. The COVID- I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day to day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Wu Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Wu Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's No wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. 
Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. Love shift. It was a great shot, Scott! So we named it the Kovalev shift because Ian and I used to just like meander on a topic like someone would send in a topic and we would like meander about it just the way that Kovalev would for his five minute shift that one game. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why we named it this way. And be mad about it. Usually it's me yelling about something that's angered me. Mm -hmm. But this time we've decided that you don't need to listen to that. So we put out um, the call and we got a couple good questions. We intertwined some with the podcast. This from Jesse from The Athletic, no less. Um, what thing about hockey brings Dom the most joy? There's there's a lot of things. Number one is when I win money off hockey. There's nothing better than placing <laughs> a good bet. Shut and, the fuck up, man. Are you kidding me? And like, okay, agree. It's not just like, I think the biggest joy is when you bet on the fucking shittiest team. Like, mm-hmm. I had bets on the Red Wings last year, and those wins felt so much sweeter than the oh, bets yeah. on actual good teams. Did you very make many. money off the Red Wings last year? Uh, I need a check. Probably not. I stopped betting. Probably made... I blacklisted them after a while. They were so bad. Um, <laughs> so bad. But... You probably had a net profit more than their actual like corporation did last year. So <laughs> that's good. It's possible. Uh, I think the thing that actually sparks the most joy for me, other than I'm going to give a shout out to Brian Rust because he sparks a lot of joy for mm-hmm. me. And I know Jesse is a Pittsburgh writer, so I gotta I gotta throw out my boy Brian Rust in there. But I think just like seeing new things, like last year when Svech did the lacrosse goal twice, when yeah. Forsberg did it soon after. Like I've I can't remember last time I was happier watching hockey because that is that was just insane. And then I see Hoglander highlights and he's doing it even better than NHL players. So. I'm going to have to tune into like every Canucks game, make sure I don't miss the Hoglander lacrosse goal because it's happening this year. Incredible. I can't wait. Do you get joy when a really, really bad trade is made and you just like laugh? You're like, what is happening here? I don't know if, what, what happened, but like in my old age, possibly because I live alone and I am going mm-hmm. crazy, is I've developed oh, yeah, a cackle. Too, Mike, have you developed a cackle? <laughs> yes. Oh, dude. A hundred percent. I Every time something happens, I'm like, ah, of course. Like, That's what I say. Uh, like, I was watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine yesterday, and this is these are episodes I've seen five or six times already. Oh, yeah. And Captain Holt will say something. I tweeted yesterday when he said, yeah. Jake, please return your guest pajamas. And Incredible. I was howling. Like, my neighbors <laughs> definitely heard me laughing. And, like, no one's here. I could have just, like, chuckled. But there, were, there was cackling involved, and it was extended. <laughs> Living alone in in this lockdown is such a unique experience because there will be a legitimate like re-socialization process when we're allowed out of our houses again. Like I will just burp on like as loud as I can randomly because I'm alone. Again, my bubble consists of Rachel and my dad and that's it. (laughs) And so I spend like 99.9% of my time alone. And so I will just like try and get as loud as I can on stuff like that. And I won't be able to do that when there are guests around all the time. Like, I don't know. Is there is there a habit that you picked up where it's just like, okay, I, I need to cut this out once 
world goes back to normal? I don't think so. I feel like people having to re-socialize means they have come back down to my level because I feel like I'm a yes. weird social person in general. So now we're all in the same playing field. It's all level, baby. <laughs> yeah, we're all like living in our lonesome here. Incredible. Like- well, Rachel's having friggin' bachelor nights with like her four roommates and actually talking to people. Like it's ugh, so jealous. Um, this is from Yako. Who will be the best Finnish player in three years? Um, I'm going to say Sebastian Ajo. I know the trendy pick is Miro Heiskinen, but I, I love me a good center. I think Ajo has serious potential, especially once Svech, once he gets to play with Svech like full time, I think that duo will be insane. Fantastic. The, the Dallas Stars fan will be really pissed that you, uh, you moved over that. They have but more than also, one fan. Like, noted- do they? Oh yeah, they have they have enough to pack a a, a stadium for a watch party during a pandemic. Mm. So that's that's fantastic. And um, I guess I also like noted Finnish player Brad Lambert. What? What? Yeah, he's he's a 2022 draft eligible. He was born in Saskatchewan and then moved to Finland. Oh okay. That like makes his sense. his uncle is Lane Lambert, who is yeah. I believe coaching in Washington. But he like he was at the World Juniors this year and was arguably finish like the finish best forward he's gonna be if he's gonna go after Shane Wright but he probably goes number two in next year's draft and I legitimately think that he's gonna push a guy like Aho uh to be the best Finn in the NHL maybe not in three years but in five let's say that name doesn't fit the like the place of origin so like no. I, I was it's like there's a star wars character that just looks ridiculous and yet they named him coleman <laughs> and i'm just like it's like it's like that we're like a guy from from finland like you're expecting like 50 different vowels and umlauts in the name and yet his name is brad lambert crazy and i guess our last question for you dom and this is a good this is one i actually really want to know personally um as a big yeah, fan this is, of yours. this question is from rachel yes from from uh rachel dory uh long time listener first time oh, caller i'd be a different rachel um, no, unfortunately, Sorry. it's the it's the Rachel we're stuck with. Um, do offer sheets make sense given the draft pick compensation? If this question's from Rachel, why didn't Rachel ask it? Because Let's get more uh, female voices because on the Mike podcast. decided to read it. Oh wow, unbelievable! Can't, I'm getting you're really, canceled. You're here. really it's stepping crazy. on on the toes here, Rachel. I want you to ask the question, please. <laughs> okay, so do offer sheets make sense given the draft pick compensation? Essentially, like, are they even worth it at this point? Like, why Did do it we even so have much them? better than me? I'm sorry. Yeah, ask Mike. that question I'm so sorry, much better Mike. than me. <laughs> I hope Mike doesn't get canceled. He's a good guy. I just needed a roast. Uh, up for debate. That's up for debate. Um, I think they don't make sense, but that's because the compensation isn't a lot. And I think that might make might sound opposite to how some people feel. But if you actually look at how draft picks are valued compared to the actual players, there's generally there can be no contest. Like last year, Braden Point, Mitch Marner. If you offersheeted those players you are very unlikely to get a player of that caliber with the picks you use to offer sheet. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. So is it basically they, they don't happen and like living in this world, they don't happen because the hockey men do not want to upset each other. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, why do we see it in the NBA and we don't see it in the NHL? Because I know you love the NBA offseason. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's fantastic. What is it going to take in the NHL for this to happen? Is it going to take somebody like Kyle Dubas going rogue or something like that? Uh, someone told me that one of the major issues was the waiting period. And you have to wait one week. And one week 
if a team is being pushed up against the wall, they'll do what they have to do to sign the player. Mm-hmm. So it's not a great way to get that player if that team has all this time to counter it. That's the major. That's one of the major issues. So I think shortening that or finding a way to operate it better, I'm not sure how to do it. But from a value perspective, I think it's shocking that it hasn't happened considering these are players just entering their prime and are usually already underpaid. So you can you have a lot of leeway to quote unquote un- overpay them and still get value. Wow. And with that, our questions are over. We have one before we leave you because you have much Brooklyn nine, nine to watch and laugh about on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're all bachelor fans here. You know, I, I haven't really watched the, the last, this current season and the one uh, with Claire slash Tasha, but so, so I, I feel like a, my take is that bachelor in paradise is the best thing from that franchise because it takes kind of everything great glad we're all in agreement or at least rachel i think we've agreed on this i agree with it because when they go on those really expensive dates that's actually where my family's place in mexico is so it's kind of like (laughs) (laughs) i know exactly where that pool is and i know that bartender (laughs) i know where they contracted syphilis it was in that hot tub it's great (laughs) um who has been your because I, I I'm a big you know I'm a big simp for a lot of their uh, a lot of the contestants that come through mainly Demi I love Demi would give my life for who has been your favorite and this doesn't have to be an, an you know a uh, someone who you want to marry or whatever but who's your favorite contestant male or female that's come through in the last uh, couple of recent seasons male one that stuck out to you female yeah and I'll get Rachel to to give me her her take on this too before we um end I've up. had a few uh, I started watching Colton season that's the first time I really got into it. Yeah, that uh, was a wild season. Yeah, too. That, that was that the, season that was the fence nuts. jumping. That I, was that fence shit jump. was nuts. Yeah, that was crazy. Or no, I I, I actually watched the season four with Becca Kirpin and oh, so that was terrible. She should have picked Blake. She should have picked yeah. Blake, but then Blake would have saved a, a lot of trouble. Coach yeah, I was gonna say would have saved a lot of people a lot okay, of trouble. But it's better than the alternative, which was yeah. not ideal. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, so I liked Blake on Becca's season. I love Demi on Colton's season yes, too. She was thank you. so chaotic and hot that you had to stand. Um if Demi, if you're out there, yeah. like I will yeah. do anything for you. I actually I didn't Oh, you know who else I liked from uh Becca's season? Jordan, the OG. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah. funny. And then <laughs> yes. when he was on Paradise, he was just incredible the man is so quotable um he didn't do anything i was expecting him to be su- such a like chaotic addition and he literally was just like the father figure on that season it was so weird like it people was, came to him that's with why it was problems. so funny it was such like, I know, a it was random amazing. thing um <laughs> colon season uh i i actually didn't like hannah brown and then oh she, I, I didn't like her either and then she has her own season i didn't like luke p either well, everyone hates luke terrible. p luke p is <laughs> oh, the embodiment yeah. of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. um Someone, oh my god, speaking of Luke P, someone DM'd me because I was tweeting about, like, I tweet about The Bachelor, mm-hmm. and side note, like, I don't know if you're watching this No, I haven't season. watched it yet. No, no okay, I haven't yet there's either. a girl there, her name is Victoria Like the Queen, which is how she introduces herself. Mm-hmm. The most common and, name in the um, world, but Like the Queen, She reminds me yeah. exactly of my old roommate, and then I went on her Instagram, and she has a Trump flag yeah, in the yeah. background, Yikes. and yes. I was like, yep, that's right on brand, yep. Well, didn't, didn't the guy that Becca cho- choose like storm the Capitol? He's one of those guys. Like he didn't actually, but he was. Yeah. He, he's like a big QAnon guy, he w- I guess. He was. Uh, he was like that. Um, yeah. There was some. There was someone really funny. I feel like 
in the last season with Tasha. I'm not. I don't remember who it was. I don't know. They all blend together. They're all yeah. the same. They're all flight attendants or you know dental assistants yeah. or stuff like that. I don't know. Demi for me is like the queen bee mm. though. Like Demi would have been a perfect. They should have picked her so instead chaotic. of Hannah. Like, my my least favorite thing in the Bachelor franchise is that the the Bachelor or Bachelorette will put up with so like we'll we'll see this and put up with so much bullshit from the contestants. And Demi wouldn't stand for any of that. Any of Luke P's stuff, she would have sent him home night one. She would mm-hmm. be like, oh, like you're literally you're judging me for you told me you love me after the first date, like. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. But Hannah, like, enabled it and kept it going for so long, it's, which infuriated It's me. because she was so attracted to him. Have you never been yeah. so attracted to someone that you just put up with their shit? Yeah, it's, oh it's called goodness, you, that Dom. That is the story of my life. <laughs> it's called you, Dom. I have to put up with all your bullshit. <laughs> it's crazy. No, yeah, absolutely. But it's just... I don't know. Demi would have been bring. They keep bringing her back. You can tell that they they messed up because they keep bringing her back on to do like you know different dates or tee it up for people, and that's how you can tell. It's not too late for them to make Demi the Bachelor. I know. At. That's what I'm thinking. Like, just make her the Bachelorette yeah. and like call it a day. It would be the best season. Instead, we're like, I don't know what we're doing right now. Like, I think I like Tyler Cameron just because he's oh, like, so he's the hot. He's the hottest guy oh, in the entire world. God. It's Tyler incredible. Cameron, um, I liked the way Dean, like, when he was actually on the show, not on Paradise, he was terrible in Paradise. Oh, but, yeah. But, like, on the show, I really liked him. He's a like, cutie. the whole deal, like, with his dad, like, I thought he handled that really well. Um, but, like, in terms of chaotic energy, like, it just, it has to be Demi. Like, she just does the most ridiculous shit. And mm-hmm. that's the type of stuff that I need in my life. Like, I need that level of entertainment. And the reality of the situation is, is The Bachelor does not work all that often. So you better make it entertaining if it doesn't. Don, we're going to audition together, tag team, right? It's just too much time. Just be there to make friends? I, I don't, I, I could never do it. I, I'm a, number one, I'm way too jealous and competitive that it would okay. probably warp my brain. And you would be Luke P. I'm the opposite. I like. I don't. Please really don't get jealous. Please don't say so I'd I'm, be like Luke P. I would have. Oh no! Wait. He didn't tell me you looked like him, and I was like, oh my god, don't ever say that. What? That's not even true. That's like. I still got a lot of working out to do to get there. <laughs> and a lot of Bible studies to go do as well. Yeah. I I don't think I need to do Bible studies to have the same morals that he does. That's true. Yeah. I feel like you already have better morals. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like most people do. Yeah, it seems yeah. like a pretty standard thing. Like if someone said we're going on a date, I'm going to take you to my church group. I'd be like, All get right, the fuck out of here, man. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> Make that you know day five or something. But anyway, we've talked enough about Bachelor Dom. Thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. This was great. And uh, do you have anything anything you want to plug? The floor is yours. You finished all the wings. You got that this camera, that camera, that camera. Hopefully, you watch Hot Ones. So you get what I'm saying here. I, give us give us an idea. I have all the Hot One sauces. I've done Hot Ones. In- incredible. You have? Okay. Yeah. I, it almost killed me, but I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you, you live to tell the tale. I wrote a bunch of shit over the last month, like mm-hmm. 150,000 words. So it's all on the internet. You can, you're can you on this podcast. You can just take my name, copy and paste it, put in the old Google machine, and then find it all at The Athletic. Fantastic. Right, because if you actually try and spell his name, it's not going to go very well. Your computer will give a, get a virus and shut down. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it, and can't wait to see what you do during the regular season. Yeah, thanks for having me. 